Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it, cause it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing. Sit back, relax, deep breaths, no stress, let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't take long, the change will happen soon, you will feel something so special growing deep within you, that thing, that thing. That's me. Hello. Welcome to episode 23 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. Oh boy, that smelled like onions. Yes, folks. I just ate some onions. I ate some onions with hummus. Uh, not large onions. I, I ate some like green onions, but not the little ones, like the bulbs, like the sweet onions, but not the big sweet onions, not Vidalia's. I just ate some some small but yet bulbous onions dipped in hummus along with uh, baby carrots dipped in hummus. And I don't know if you knew this, but baby carrots, I, I support baby carrots. One, they're already peeled. Two, they're bite size. Three, they help not they they help in um, avoiding waste of good food. So basically, the supermarket wants to sell carrots that look good. If it's a whole carrot, they want handsome looking carrots. But not all carrots are born handsome. Some are born kind of funky looking. So what happens with the funky looking carrots is that they don't just go to pot. What happens is they are peeled and cut into what you can buy at the store labeled as baby carrots. So you're eating ugly carrots when you're eating baby carrots. And you're helping to not waste food. So I like that. I like that. And... And it's cheaper. You get more carrot matter per penny in a bag of um, baby carrots than you do from a like a bundle. I don't know if that's absolutely sure. However, it's, I mean, it seems that way. The, the bundles I've seen cost just as much as the... Uh, the bags of baby carrots, they just look and feel like it has more carrot matter in it. Well, I dipped that in hummus as well. And then I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I, I sat on my bed 
watching stuff on YouTube, watching the majority report. And uh, I, I waited to digest it so I could come here and record this episode from scratch a second time. Now, earlier it was like, mm, it's see, it's 9.17 right now. At about 7.17, when it was still kind of light outside, I started recording and I got 30 minutes in and realized, this sucks. It did not go well. I'm not, I don't want to go into details just because not, not that it's like embarrassing or, or like gossip or anything. It's just so fucking boring. It's not worth sharing. So I deleted all that. So I'm, this is me recording this episode a second time and it's 9 PM. And, and it's funny, funny, this, um, part of the issue with the first recording that did not meet my standards of excellence Part of the problem was that it was so hot still that I was overheated and I'm not drinking enough water, I guess. I've been drinking enough water for before it started getting into the 90 degree weather. Back when it was in the 70s and the low 80s, you know, I was drinking a certain amount of water that was keeping me pretty damn hydrated. But now that it's hotter, I have to increase that amount of water intake to keep up with the heat. Um, so there's that. And as, as hopefully, you know, maybe I've never said this before, but I turn off the, um, air conditioning in this apartment. I have two window units. Um, and the size of the space really warrants one AC window unit. However, the way this building is, it's it's old, it's wood, it has no insulation whatsoever, ever, and it's a top floor with a lot of exposed wall. All the walls around me are exposed to sunlight. So you've got all the hours of sunlight throughout every day, just especially in the summer and early fall, all of the sun just beating on this apartment and turning it into a Dutch oven, not unlike when you fart in bed and pull the sheets over your lover's head so that they're baking in this natural heat and gaseous essence of your bounteous, beautiful glory, the essence of your soul, your fart. Folks, I did not plan that. I did not plan that at all. That was that was divine intervention reaching right out my ass. And you heard it here, folks. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. See, I didn't have this kind of energy the first film record recording session. It was very lethargic and depressive. Um, and it was just because it's so hot. So basically, I, I turn off the, uh, the air conditioning in here um, so I can give you excellent professional sound quality. Because I am not only professional, but I am also excellent. I'll be here all week. Probably next week. 
Fuck, I just, oh man, I'd love to go on a trip or move. If you want to help me move to a city where <laughs> I can continue doing the show and get more job opportunities and more opportunities to get cool guests to you, if you want to help me um, keep this show running and to make more and better content, to get better gear and get more content out to you, please feel free to donate uh, at my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash that thing with James. Um, you can pay, it's, it's a monthly donation set up with different tiers. You can pay as low as $1 per month or as high as $3,000 per month if you have fuck you money or if you're just really bad at, at money management. Ugh, excuse me, all that peanut butter is coming up. Um, and while I'm at it, why don't I just take care of the rest of the business? Um, I, you can find me on social media. Mostly I'm on, well, really, just find me at Instagram and Twitter at James J. Asher. Um, and you can also visit my website, jamesjasher.com. I have a blog there with some writing. Most of it lately has been just whenever I update these episodes. But if you go back a ways, you'll see some blog posts from, or just some writing exercises from before I started this show. Stuff from last year. And yeah, last year. Uh, because that's when I started the website. And you can also find my agent's information if you want to you know get some work to me or, or if you want you can directly email me um, my email address is that thing with james at gmail.com that thing with james at gmail.com all of this information will be in the description and if you're watching this on youtube and if you haven't done so already please subscribe to the channel uh, like the videos you like write a comment share it with your friends Turn on the notification on the subscription so you know when I upload these things once a week. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, this place gets mighty hot and it's getting mighty warm right now too. Um, so I had the AC turned off in this first recording session. And uh, another thing, and, and I, I had not uh, drunk enough water. And the big thing was I hadn't eaten enough food. I hadn't eaten enough food. I got to eat a lot of food, folks. A lot of food. I'm sure you can't tell because I'm pretty thin. Uh, uh. For those listening, that was me showing off my abs. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Super pack, baby. To attain this this svelte physique what i need to do is eat a lot of food so i don't get lightheaded and crazy as in just emotional like depressed and anxious and aggro just crazy emotions if i don't eat enough and i get shaky and and lightheaded that's the thing i get real lightheaded I got to eat a lot of food and I got to get more consistent with forcing myself. Not, I don't even have to force myself. It's just 
not being lazy, you know, I, I, I need to, you know, be more consistent about my initiative to eat more food because I've got a high motherfucking metabolism. So here we are. Second recording, same episode. You'll never know what the first recording was like. Don't worry. It ain't worth it. It was boring as shit, but here we are. I'm feeling refreshed well-fed, hydrated, although I'm, I'm ready to drink another gallon of water right now, I tell you what. But I'm feeling better, more focused. So I got an email from my, my awesome one Patreon donor. Yes, I have one Patreon donor. If you want to become the second, third, fourth, or gazillionth one, you know, you know where to go. The Patreon link. You go to the Patreon at James. No, no, no. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. Link in the description. That's where you go. Well, he emailed me, my my good friend and one Patreon donor, um, emailed me with a topic to talk about for the show. And... I gotta say, I have to preempt this with, I'm a little bummed that Emily is not around for this episode because I really want her to um, help me explore the topic of extra extraterrestrials. I almost said what Giorgio Tsoukalos from Ancient Aliens pronounces, extraterrestrials. I'm not. I'm not saying it was. I'm no no no. Okay. I'm not saying it was aliens. What I'm saying is it it, it might not have been aliens, okay? But it was definitely exoterrestrials. 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 That's what Giorgio Tsoukalos of Ancient Aliens would say. Have you seen Ancient Aliens? Have you seen um, Action Bronson watching... Ants Action Bronson and his uh, entourage watching Ancient Aliens. It is one of the best things. I think it's like a Vice thing or something. I it was kind of hard. It was it was difficult to find. I, and this was like a year or two ago. Um, I I watched it on YouTube and there were several episodes where Action Bronson and friends and they'll have a guest on sit. Um, uh, in front of a giant green screen and they're sitting on a big couch and chairs around it uh, watching ancient aliens and smoking copious amounts of ganja and just w- enjoying the show and going off on some fucking tangents uh, relevant tangents but going off on some theories going off on some ideas about aliens or extraterrestrials. So the thing that my good friend emailed me about was, uh, what do I think about disclosure? Disclosure being the idea that um, the government or certain agencies are and have been aware of um, extraterrestrial life 
be it if it has come in contact with our planet or if we have been able to observe it elsewhere in the cosmos. Some people posit that yes, and they, whoever they are, they know about the aliens and they're keeping it a secret for average citizens like you and I, we plebeians, we, according to them, the capital T, them, according to them, we are not yet ready to handle the news that aliens are fucking real and that certain agencies have known about it for a long time and they've got hard physical evidence incontrovertible evidence i hope i used the right word incontrovertible inarguable undeniably uh uh, uh um undeniably evidence that aliens exist and that we know about it some people are saying that they the government the government is slowly rolling out information slowly releasing information about these exoterrestrials leaking things bit by bit releasing like uh project blue book recently um like within the past few years project blue book was i think recently declassified or something and it was released in its entirety and you can read it online uh maybe part of the uh freedom of information act um and project blue book unless i'm mistaken revolves around a lot of uh stuff that happened at a certain air force base in fairborn ohio this air force base is called wright pat air force base it is uh some kind of label it as the real area 51 saying that maybe area 51 may have served some purpose in dealing with extraterrestrial technology or experimental technology however it was just more of like a like a secondary facility the real facility was one that no one was talking about it was one that was hiding in plain sight and that's right pat air force base now the thing is I only have a limited amount of information about this particular matter. Emily, however, Emily, who is not currently present, knows more because she grew up in that area. She grew up near the Wright Pat Air Force Base, and she says, in previous conversations I've had with her, she has said that um, she's seen some weird stuff, lights in the sky. Three dots in the three lights forming like like forming a triangle. Three dots forming a triangle in the sky, and it's happened multiple occasions. She's actually in Ohio right now, in near that area, and I was telling her about this, saying like, "I wish you were here to help me talk about this because you are a greater wealth of information on this matter than I am." And she said, "Well, here's a couple things." 
in my time during my visit here now, I have been hearing um, explosions. Explosions coming from the base. Usually at night. Just explosions. Like they're blowing something up. Maybe testing something out. And also, um, she has seen a lot of uh, chemtrail airplanes. Whatever those planes are called that uh, make chemtrails. Whatever exactly chemtrails are. I mean, I know what chemtrails are, but I don't know what... um, what the conspiracy theorists say about chemtrails. Although I do know a guy, I I, I was, uh, at least I was acquainted with a guy whom I met here in Austin. Uh, I used to see him at a coffee shop a bit north. And um, he had on his computer thousands, I mean thousands of pictures of quote-unquote chemtrails in the sky and the airplanes and the patterns they made he he, like calculated the grids like he had them organized by the grids and he'd been doing this for years and like that's his whole thing all those chemtrails and uh selling really good weed that's what he did this guy uh, fuck he was like almost 50 um, and he made money, uh, some like in the nineties and early two thousands, he made money off some tech shit and then retired early and, uh, spent his days, uh, selling weed, hanging out at the coffee shop and organizing his, um, n- pictures of chemtrails. Now, from what I understand, um, there are, of course, um, contrails, which is which some people confuse to be chemtrails. No, contrails are something different. That's like condensation trail, where basically the whatever the engine of a flying object leaves behind a uh, the air that it has sucked in. It condenses it and expels that condensed air. So it's just sort of like a a spaghetti cloud just like a string of condensed air and since it's more gaseous and since there's more space between um air particles the higher altitude you go that means there's more space around so that it's easier for uh things to stand out if they're condensed basically basically because it's juxtaposed to all the space between the non-condensed air uh, particles, gases, up in the atmosphere. Yes, I know this shit because I read a science book. Because I am what Mac from It's Always Sunny from Philadelphia would probably call a science bitch. That's right. I'm a science bitch. I am science's bitch. Because science is cool. And and weird science is even cooler. So, um, yeah, aliens. 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 Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I need to take a quick break <laughs> to drink some water. And I'll talk about aliens, man. I'll get on it. I'll be right back. Here's the thing. I am 
as with so many things unknowable in this life, agnostic about aliens. I... Okay. If the universe is both infinite, yet at the same time, finite, which is a mindfuck on its own, but I mean, that's, uh, that's science, bitch. If the universe is not only finite, but also infinite, then how many fucking possibilities are there? There's got to be possibilities for anything you can think of. If you can think of it, you, you've conceived of it. It must exist at least in some fucking dimension. We don't know how many dimensions there are, man. Different timelines, different possibilities, different strings of things. Anything you can think of. And, and, and you know, if you can think of something, even if you don't see it physically, if you thought of it, that is part of your conscious experience. You experienced an idea of something like, I don't know, Aliens with asses for faces and baby carrots for asses on the on where the butt should be rather. They don't have like ass carrot faces. And that would be like a snowman whose head is fashioned like butt cheeks and you stick a carrot in it for the nose and you say, Merry Christmas, Billy. Merry Christmas, Sally. Here's Assy McAss face the snowman. Have fun. He's gonna melt fucking global warming uh anyway you wouldn't even have fucking snow you'd make it out of water and say look i made you a snowman out of water merry christmas kids you inherited this wealth <laughs> um yeah aliens they gotta exist man they have to if there's infinite shit if there's infinite room for infinite phenomena then there must be aliens uh, or, you know, say like the greys, the grey people. Um, those must exist in some fucking timeline and maybe they exist in our own dimension. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know. I remain, again, as with many things in life, agnostic about the idea. I do not say that Yes, there definitely are aliens, nor do I say, no, there are definitely not aliens. Um, Exeterrestrials, I mean. Um, but we don't know what kind of stuff we're making here. You know, humans, earth dwellers, we don't know what kind of things we're making here, man. We don't know all this stuff. There's like, what? trillions of dollars like many 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 trillions of dollars that the pentagon has quote-unquote lost where's that money going we don't fucking know i highly doubt that you just kind of like a fucking few trillion dollars falls through a hole in your pocket so to speak um so we don't know we don't know what we have that we created and we don't know if we've come into contact with anything, maybe, maybe. I, now, see, this is where I need Emily because she's more familiar with the contents of Project Blue Book than I am. Me, I just know that it exists in that it talks about some alien shit at Wright-Pat Air Force Base. Like, say, a pilot saying that some 
kind of light or craft was flying beside it and behaving in a way that did not seem to um, abide by the way any aircraft that we have um, interacts with physics, that sort of thing. And uh, apparently um, the fucking guy, what's his name? Uh, The singer from Blink-182. Apparently he's all about alien stuff now. He's got like to the stars Academy. Um, that dude, he's onto some shit about like metals that are anti-gravity. Like that's the way UFOs and shit fly about is that it doesn't deal with propulsion or displacement of air. It, it deals with the um, gravity itself. I don't know how that works, but apparently, you know, he, apparently he knows how to create a metal that is um, that floats, <laughs> and and it's not because of like a density thing. It's something to deal with um, gravitational force itself, which is weird. I I barely even understand it, but I understand that it is, you know, it has to do with time space and the uh, general theory of relativity which I think isn't a theory anymore because um, gravity has been proven to exist now. They've recorded it. Well, 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 well. So yeah, aliens. And we don't know what's around us either. I mean, we, uh, we are able to perceive and we exist on certain frequencies of matter as far as i understand it i may be totally fucking wrong i may be making a complete ass of myself right now but the way i understand it is that we are composed of stuff we're composed of small stuff really really small stuff that vibrates at a certain rate that makes this stuff turn into something that we perceive as solid matter you can't move through it Um, but then there's also stuff like sounds. We can hear certain sounds, but there are certain sounds that we can't hear. Like, for example, dog whistles. I've made this joke before. Why can't you hear a dog whistle? Because they don't have lips, you asshole. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Oh, wow. That guy's a fucking genius. Wow. He's a comedic guy. Wow. Look at that dude. Oh, my God. That guy's got jokes. Oh, God. Oh, wow. That guy's fucking funny, Jay. Oh, Jay. Jay, you got to call somebody. Dude. Dude, you got to call David Letterman. Can you get on the late tonight show tonight? Late? Late night tonight show? The dude. Dude, David Letterman, you gotta get on that shit, bro. Dude, you're fucking funny. You got jokes, bro. Like, uh, you do this, you do this, you need to keep doing it, man. (laughs) Oh, fuck, it's hot in here. All right, all right, here we go. What am I gonna talk about? Um, aliens, vibrations. There's, there's a whole spectrum, like, uh, the light that our eyes can see uh we can only see certain colors there is uh we can only see a very small portion of the vast spectrum of light waves waves of uh, light particles 
Um, there's shit we just cannot perceive. Um, and, and maybe there's shit that we have instruments that can perceive things, but even those have certain limitations. These instruments that we've created may only be able to perceive to the umpteenth degree of uh, light frequency, but it won't be able to go any further. However, um, mathematically, there must be a further uh, frequency of, of uh, light wave that exists. You know, it has to, it's mathematically impossible to, for that frequency to not exist. It's just that the instruments of measurement that we have right now are not able to perceive those yet. So maybe, maybe there's stuff all around us that we just don't even know about because we can't perceive it, thus we can't conceive it. All sorts of stuff we don't know about, maybe. So, I say, yeah. I say that's a greater, I think I say, I say that's a pretty fucking great possibility. That It's just stuff all around us. So, when something seems like supernatural, paranormal, aliens, uh, ghosts, any other shit, maybe it's just something crossing channels. Like, like when you're driving on the highway, listening to the radio, and you drive by another truck. This used to happen more. It doesn't happen so much these days, but it used to happen more, I think, before um, digital waves were a thing. But I can remember when I was even younger than I am now driving on a highway and going by a truck and then like picking up whatever country station that that truck is listening to. We have crossover between these frequencies, um, maybe supernatural stuff, maybe paranormal things that we perceive and sometimes record, but have a difficult time uh, measuring and documenting and, and recording uh, maybe it's just because it, it it's so unpredictable, but it's just a random um, crossover between channels, uh, radio stations, just a cross between radio stations, man. So I, I, I definitely think that's a thing for sure. It doesn't, it, it makes more sense for something like that to exist than, uh, I mean, it makes no sense for that stuff to not exist because why the fuck wouldn't it exist? I think, you know, I feel like it would be hubris, human hubris to just completely say, oh, no, there's nothing else. Oh, no, there's nothing else at all. Well, you don't fucking know. You don't fucking know. And you know how I know you don't fucking know? Because there are things you don't know. Uh, there are things you know you don't know. And then there are things that you don't know you don't know. This is science. More science stuff, bitch. There are knowns. There are... The, okay, so here's the spectrum of knowing. There are known knowns. Things that we know we know. There are unknown knowns. Things that we do know, but just haven't really clicked yet. But those are not to be confused. That those are distinctly different than um, a known unknown, uh, something that we know we don't know, or the vast un um, 
unknown known, which is we don't know what we don't know. So that's why I say it's safer to just be agnostic. (laughs) Because, I mean, to say one way or another is just as absurd as just saying, well, why not both, you know? Because they're fucking, everything's absurd, you know? At least uh, to our to our brains, to our human human minds. Fuck, I hope I don't sound like Alex Jones, because that guy's an asshole, and I do not want to be compared to him. I'm just having fun here, folks. I'm just having fun. What time am I at? I'm sweat. I'm sweaty. Oh, wow, yeah, I got some time left. All right, so I want to use this time to uh, talk about something that has been on my mind a lot the past few weeks. Um, It's about a guy named Eugene V. Debs. Eugene V. Debs, the first time, the first time I came across that name was, I believe it was in the beginning of a book written by Kurt Vonnegut, a book published in 1990, written by Kurt Vonnegut called Hocus Pocus. Let me pull up my information here. Trust the old uh wikipedia okay here we go hocus pocus like many of okay hocus pocus or what's the hurry son is a 1990 novel by kurt vonnegut like many of vonnegut's novels hocus pocus uses a non-linear narrative and has a plot centered on a major event heavily alluded to until the final chapters The main character is named Eugene Debs Hartke, a Vietnam War veteran, college professor, and carrioneur who realizes that he was killed, he has killed exactly as many people as the number of women he has had sex with. The character's name is an homage to American labor and political leader Eugene V. Debs and anti-war Senator Vance Hartke, both from Vonnegut's home state of Indiana. Okay, so uh, here we go. The main character's name sharing with Eugene, wait, 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 the main character's name sharing with Eugene V. Debs, five-time Socialist Party of America candidate for President of the United States, one of his candidacies occurred while he was in prison, is explicitly discussed in the book. The following quote from Eugene V. Debs appears several times, quote, while there is a lower class, I am in it. And while there is a criminal element, I am of it. And while there is a soul in prison, I am not free. I read that my freshman year of college. And it hit me hard. It, it struck me. 
It changed me, that quote. That thing changed me. It was a perfect articulation of the compassion that I had personally held for a long time for my fellow people. Um, but I didn't know how to articulate it as well as Mr. Debs did. D-E-B-S, American Socialist. D-E-B-S, Eugene's the best. Yeah, no BS. Let's read about Eugene V. Debs, shall we? Bum, 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 bum. Okay, here we go, here we go. Eugene Victor Debs, born November 5th, 1855, died October 20th, 1926. So that placed him at 70 years old. He was an American socialist, political activist, trade unionist, one of the founding members of the industrial workers of the world, and five times the candidate of the Socialist Party of America for President of the United States. Throughout his presidential candidacy, uh, through his presidential candidacies, as well as his work with labor movements, Debs eventually became one of the best-known socialists living in the United States. Early in his political career, Debs was a member of the Democratic Party. He was elected as a Democrat to the Indiana General Assembly in 1884. After working with several smaller unions, including the Brotherhood of Locomotive Firemen, Debs led his union in a major 10-month strike against the CB&Q Railroad in 1888 and lost. Debs was instrumental in f the founding of the American Railway Union, one of the nation's first industrial unions. After workers at the Pullman Palace Car Company organized a wildcat strike over pay cuts in the summer of 1895, Debs signed on with the ARU. He led a boycott by the ARU against handling trains with Pullman cars in what became the nationwide Pullman strike, affecting most lines west of Detroit and more than 250,000 workers in 27 states. Purportedly to keep the mail running, President Glover Creek Glover, Glover, Glover. President Grover Cleveland used the United States Army to break the strike. As a leader of the ARU, Debs was convicted of federal charges for defying a court injunction against the strike and served six months in prison. In prison, Debs read various works of socialist theory and emerged six months later as a committed adherent of the international socialist movement. Debs was a founding member of the Socialist Democracy of America, the Socialist Democratic Party of America, and the Socialist Party of America, um, respectively, in 1897, 1898, and 1901. Okay. 
Debs ran as a socialist candidate for president of the United States five times, including 1,000, uh, including in 1900, 1904, 1908, 1912, and 1920. So the first time he ran, he got 0.6% of the popular vote. Uh, in 1904, he got 3%. In 1908, he got 2.8%. In 1912, he got 6%. And in 1920, he got 3.4% of the popular vote. The last time, from a prison cell. He was also a candidate for the United States Congress from his native state, Indiana, in 1916. Debs was noted for his oratory and his speech denouncing American participation in World War I led, his, uh, 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 led to his second arrest in 1918. He was convicted under the Sedition Act of 1918 and sentenced to a term of 10 years President Warren G. Harding commuted his sentence in December 1921. Debs died in 1926, not long after being admitted to a sanatorium due to cardiovascular problems that developed during his time in prison. He has since been cited as the inspiration for numerous politicians. And I've got more to say on that after I take another quick water break. I'll be right back. And I'm back. So here's here's the deal with this Debs guy um, and the socialist subject. I feel like I need to say this because it's a uh, contentious issue in the United States for many reasons, most of which I find to be disingenuous. Um... We put out a lot of propaganda um, and other countries also put out a lot of propaganda. This is a combat of philosophies and both of these philosophies have been used to exploit I think of uh, some, but not all, countries who tried um, socialism, communism um, flavors, tried these flavors out. Some of them weren't really that. Uh, some of them used the idea, the promise of that, uh, to flip over a dictatorship on people, an authoritarian government. Just as, you know, saying, it's like dressing yourself up like a horse and calling yourself a pig kind of a thing. Um, just as, you know, United States does similar stuff, saying, well, you're free. You're free. You can move up. It's the American dream. You can move up. I... There's a lot of, uh, it's a contentious issue. So basically what I'm getting at is um, I'm not trying to get you to think or feel one way or another. I'm just reading about this Debs guy because he's been on my mind recently. Because I personally 
um, find him to be an inspiring character, just as I find Kurt Vonnegut to be an inspiring character, just as he was inspired by Debs, whom I'm going to continue talking about. Uh, the source I've been using for this information about Debs is Wikipedia, um, and then I'll move on to something else. Um, here's a here's a quote from Debs. Let's see here. Although sometimes called King Debs, Debs himself was not wholly comfortable with his standing as a leader. As he told his audience in Detroit in 1906, quote, I am not a labor leader. I do not want you to follow me or anyone else. If you are looking for a Moses to lead you out of this capitalist wilderness, you will stay right where you are. I would not lead you into the promised land if I could, because if I led you, someone else would lead you out. You must use your heads as well as your hands and get yourself out of your present condition. End quote. Get yourself out of present condition. That sentiment is used, although for a different purpose, by um, certain um, certain people who subscribe to certain socioeconomic structural philosophies here in the United States and abroad. Uh, the idea of, surely you've heard it, Picking yourself up by your bootstraps. Just pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Work harder. Put in more hours. And then, before you know it, you'll be just like me. Assuming that me has a, a lot of money, a lot of wealth. Has a lot of stuff. That's not necessarily true. Uh, the the idea, the concept of picking yourself up by your bootstraps, that is a, it's a line used to keep you working, putting in a lot of energy and work into the wrong thing. You want to get out of your present condition, um, you, you got to put in the work. But it depends on how uh, and what you put that work to, what the work is, how you go about doing it, and why you go about doing it. So, so that's a thing. Uh, let's see here. Incarceration. This is the header here. Debs's speech against the Wilson administration and the war, World War I, earned the enmity of President Woodrow Wilson, who later called Debs a, quote, traitor to his country, end quote. On June 16, 1918, Debs made a speech in Canto, Ohio, urging resistance to the military draft of World War I. He was arrested on June 30th and charged with 10 counts of sedition. 
His trial defense called no witnesses, asking that Debs be allowed to address the court in his defense. That unusual request was granted, and Debs spoke for two hours. Two hours, he spoke. He was found guilty on September 12th. At his sentencing hearing on September 14th, he again addressed the court, and his speech has become a classic. Haywood Brune, a literary journalist and not a Debs partisan, said it was, quote, one of the most beautiful and moving passages in the English language. He was, for that one afternoon, touched with inspiration. If anyone told me that tongues of fire danced upon his shoulders as he spoke, I would believe it, end quote. Debs said in part, Your Honor, I have stated in this court that I am opposed to the form of our present government, that I am opposed to the social system in which we live, that I believe in the change of both, but by perfectly peaceable and orderly means. I am thinking this morning of the men in the mills and factories. I am thinking of the women for a paltry who, for a paltry wage, are compelled to work out their lives. Of the little children who, in this system, are robbed of their childhood, and in their early tender years are seized in the remorseless grasp of mammon, and forced into industrial dungeons, there to feed the machines while they themselves are being starved body and soul. I believe this is when children were still working in factories. <clears throat> Your Honor... I ask no mercy. I plead for no immunity. I realize that finally the right must prevail. I never more fully comprehended that than now. The great struggle between the powers of greed on the one hand and upon the other the rising hosts of freedom. I can see the dawn of a better day of humanity. The people are awakening. In due course of time, they will come into their own. When the mariner sailing over tropic seas looks for relief from his weary watch, he turns his eyes toward the southern cross burning luridly over the tempest-vexed ocean. As the midnight approaches, the southern cross begins to bend, and the whirling worlds change their places, and with starry finger points the Almighty, marks the passage of time upon the dial of the universe, and though no bell may beat the glad tidings, the lookout knows that the midnight is passing, that relief and rest are close at hand. Let the people take heart and hope everywhere, for the cross is bending, midnight is passing, and joy cometh with the morning. Debs was sentenced on November 18, 1918, to 10 years in prison and was also disenfranchised for life. Debs presented what has been called the best remarked statement at his sentencing hearing. Quote, Your Honor, years ago I recognized my kinship with all beings. I made up my mind that I was not one bit better than the meanest on earth. I said then, and I say now, that while there is a lower class, I am in it, and while there is a criminal element, I am of it, and while there is a soul in prison, I am not free. End quote. <clears throat> 
Debs appealed his conviction, yada, yada, yada. So, wow, that guy said that shit off the top of his head, man. What a guy, right? What a gift for language. Um, you can find his uh, sedition speech online. I found it. It's long. It's very long, but very good. Uh, this part, number five here, spoke to me, uh, and I want to share it with you. Wars throughout history have been waged for conquest and plunder. In the Middle Ages, when the feudal lords who inhabited the castles whose towers may still be seen along the Rhine concluded to enlarge their domains, to increase their powers, their prestige, and their wealth, they declared war upon one another. But they themselves did not go to war any more than the modern feudal lords. Um, the barons of Wall Street go to war. Uh, okay, let me read that again. Uh, to increase their power, uh, their prestige and their wealth, they declared war upon one another, but they themselves did not go to war any more than the modern feudal lords, the barons of Wall Street, go to war. The feudal barons of the Middle Ages, the economic predecessors of the capitalists of our day, declared all wars, and their miserable serfs fought all the battles. The poor, ignorant serfs had been taught to revere their masters, to believe that when their masters declared war on one another, it was their patriotic duty to fall upon one another and to cut one another's throats for the profit and glory of the lords and barons who held them in contempt. And that is war in a nutshell. The master class has always declared war. The subject class has always fought the battles. The master class has had all to gain and nothing to lose, while the subject class has had nothing to gain and all to lose, especially their lives. They have always taught and trained you to believe it to be your patriotic duty to go to war and to have yourselves slaughtered at their command. But in all the history of the world, you, the people, have never had a voice in declaring war. And strange as it certainly appears, no war by any nation in any age has ever been declared by the people. <clears throat> let me, and here let me emphasize the fact, and it cannot be repeated too often, <clears throat> The working class who fight all the battles, the working class who make the supreme sacrifices, the working class who freely shed their blood and furnish the corpses, have never yet had a voice in either declaring war or making peace. It is the ruling class that invariably does. They alone declare war and they alone make peace. Yours not to reason why, yours but to do and die. That is their motto, and we object on the part of the awakening workers of this nation. If war is right, let it be declared by the people. You who have your lives to lose, you certainly above all others have the right to decide the momentous issue of war and peace. Oh, I guess 
It's giving me vapors. It's making my voice crack, huh? So yeah, this guy is a very powerful speaker. I find him highly um, inspirational. Um, And I agree with his perspective. I agree with the vision. I, I, I agree the picture that he is painting is accurate. The picture that he paints with his words, I believe, is an accurate depiction of the realities of the world around us then and now. Not much has changed. few things. We've come a long way with certain rights, but fuck, dude. At the same time, we haven't gotten very far. Now, another, from reading Debs's words, it reminded me of another historical figure's words. Uh, this one, this man is Martin Luther King Jr. Perhaps you've heard of him. Martin Luther King Jr. He is heralded as one of the leading figures in the all-important civil rights movement. They achieved uh, the movement, those who participated in in the civil rights movement achieved great things. Yet at the same time, when I, myself, look at the world around me, um, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. There is still injustice that I see with my own two eyes. Not through the television screen, although I see it on television or iPad, computer screen, but even when I go out into town and, and, and see the world directly, direct experience, firsthand experience, I see these fucking injustices around me. So there's still work to do, still a lot of work to do. And the thing is, when it comes to the pursuit of justice, it's never done. That's the daunting thing of it, is that you have to keep at it. You have to keep fighting for it. And you have to keep discussing it and defining it and uh, trying to make sure, you know, to minimize exploitation and oppression of people. I think that's justice. Is a, a, a just society is one in which people are not oppressed and exploited. There. Or at least where that exploitation is reduced to such a minimum and that standards of living are at such a height that people are willing to let themselves be exploited to a certain degree. Exploited to a degree that does not violate their human rights, I should say. So here's some quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King, and this is some stuff that I did not learn. These are all things that I did not learn um, in public school. 
but I understand why. You know, classes are only so long, they got to cover the basics, right? Okay, here are some quotes um, from Dr. Martin Luther King. See, he started out fighting racism, but then as he dealt more and more with the issue, he came to understand that um, racism is but a symptom of a deeper issue. That deeper issue being the one that Mr. Eugene V. Debs was talking about, uh, which is an issue that uh, he didn't invent. It's an issue that uh, he helped communicate, an issue that thinkers before him had grappled with. And it's an issue that people today are dealing with. And hopefully no one thinks that it's new or that we're inventing it. I recently dealt with a guy who I think got the impression somehow that I thought socialist stuff was new. Uh, it was just a bad day. It was just a bad day. I don't think that at all. I know it's been around for a long fucking time. Anyway, let me check the time again. <laughs> Shit. Okay, all right, I got time. Okay, so anyway, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. started to realize that uh, the root cause of, of um, racism was a disparity in equality, wealth inequality. Um, so basically, he came to the understanding that what we have here is not really at, at, at the root. Uh, it, what we have here is not really a left versus right problem. Although that is a problem that exists, it is merely a symptom that is stoked and exacerbated by agents of the even deeper root issue and that is not left versus right but wealthy versus impoverished it is the haves those who have versus those who have not so without further ado since i want to wrap this thing up i want to read these quotes from dr king here we go Number one, I imagine you already know that I am much more socialistic in my economic theory than capitalistic. Capitalism started out with a noble and high motive, but like most human systems, it fell victim to the very thing it was revolting against. So today, capitalism has outlived its usefulness. He wrote that in a letter to Coretta Scott, July 18th, 1952. Quote number two, in a sense, you could say we're involved in a class struggle, end quote. Uh, that was to the New York Times reporter Jose Iglesias in 1968. Quote number three, and one day we must ask the question, 
Why are there 40 million poor people in America? And when you begin to ask that question, you are raising questions about the economic system, about a broader distribution of wealth. When you ask that question, you begin to question the capitalistic economy. And I'm simply saying that more and more, we've got to begin to ask questions about the whole society. That was in a speech to Southern Christian Leadership Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, August 16th, 1967. 1967. Yet we are hearing quotes that sound almost exactly the same today. I find that interesting. I find it very interesting. Number four. Quote, Capitalism forgets that life is social. And the kingdom of brotherhood is found neither in the thesis of communism nor the antithesis of capitalism, but in a higher synthesis. That was a speech to Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Atlanta, Georgia, August 16th, 1967. Same speech. Number five. Call it democracy or call it democratic socialism, but there must be a better distribution of wealth within this country for all God's children. That was a speech to the Negro American Labor Council in 1961. Remember, this is um, the civil rights influencer, Martin Luther King Jr., saying this stuff. Stuff you didn't learn about in public school, I guarantee it. Number six, we must recognize that we can't solve our problem now until there is a radical redistribution of economic and political power. This means a revolution of values and other things. We must now see that the evils of racism, economic exploitation, and militarism are all tied together. You can't really get rid of one without getting rid of the others. The whole structure of American life must be changed. America is a hypocritical nation and we must put our own house in order. That was in a report to the SCLC staff, May 1967. Uh, let's see here. Seventh quote from him, the evils of capitalism are as real as the evils of militarism and the evils of racism. March 30th, 1967. And then here, number eight, I am now convinced that the simplest approach will prove to be the most effective. The solution to poverty is to abolish it directly by a now widely discussed matter, the guaranteed income. The curse of poverty has no justification in our age. It is socially as cruel and blind as the practice of cannibalism at the dawn of civilization, when men ate each other because they had not yet learned to take food from the soil or to consume the abundant animal life around them. The time has come for us to civilize ourselves by the total, direct, and immediate Abolition of poverty from where do we go from here? 1967. You can't talk about solving the economic problem of the Negro without talking about, this is a quote, by the way, without talking about billions of dollars. Let me start that over. Quote, 
You can't talk about solving the economic problem of the Negro without talking about billions of dollars. You can't talk about ending the slums without first saying profit must be taken out of slums. You are really tampering and getting on dangerous ground because you are messing with folk then. You are messing with the captains of industry. Now this means that we are treading in difficult water. Because it really means that we are saying that something is wrong with capitalism. End quote. That was from a speech to his staff in 1966. And then the final quote I'm going to read here is, quote, We are saying that something is wrong with capitalism. There must be better distribution of wealth, and maybe America must move toward a democratic socialism. End quote from speech to his staff, 1966. Same speech. Martin Luther King started talking about this kind of stuff. I believe, let me see, um, when was he murdered, Martin Luther King? MLK assassination, 1968. And these quotes, let's see, April 4th, 1968 is when he was brutally murdered, assassinated. And he was saying this stuff, um... Wow, since 61 is the earliest. 52. Wow, he'd been saying it since 1952, this stuff. He realized this, uh, that the race issue was a symptom or at least um, intrinsic part of the wealth inequality. So, interesting stuff. Again, I'm not trying to convince you to lean or believe one way or another. I just wanted to present you with words, real words from real people who existed and um, to shine a light on how those very conversations are still going on today and to encourage you to do yourself a favor and educate yourself. If you are interested in this sort of thing, read up on your own. Um, read articles, read books. And even beyond that, if you read an article from a certain outlet, even if it's a large, reputable one, read up on who wrote the article. Who wrote the article? Did the person who write any particular article get paid by any particular special interests? Be it a, I don't know, coalition or a company? Or look at um, the publication itself. Is that owned by anyone who may have any special interests? Do homework. Follow the money. And uh, think for yourself. And educate yourself. Inform yourself and do the work. That's your responsibility as uh, an active citizen. That's your service to your fellow neighbors, um, if you want to do that. If not, n n no, no beef, you know, no beef. And it doesn't make you a bad person if you don't want to do that. I'm just saying, if you want to do that, be aware of those things. Follow the money, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I think I'm done for now. Um, yeah, look at the uh, description. You, if you want to donate, you can donate. 
yada, yada, yada. Have a good night. Thanks for uh, tuning in. I love you. Bye.